Hello folks, welcome to another edition of Tantra's Mantra, a podcast that goes behind and beyond the tech news headlines. Today we are going to discuss uh, an exciting subject and sometimes quietly hyped a bit. It's the world of robotics and we have a special guest today to discuss this with and that guest is uh, Mr. Dev Singh. Dev is the general manager of robotics, a drone and intelligent machines at Qualcomm. Hey Dev, welcome to Tantra's Mantra show. How are you today? I'm good, Prakash. Thank you for having me over here. All right. So, Dev, thank you very much for uh, coming over. I think you've been a uh, Qualcommer for some time now, right? Anything you want to share with our listeners on how our journey has been in Qualcomm, what you've been doing? Sure, sure. Thank you for asking that. Yes, I've been at Qualcomm for quite a bit. It's been over seven years now, and the journey has been quite interesting. And not only at Qualcomm, I would say that that's been an interesting journey throughout my career as well. Before Qualcomm, I was at TI where I worked in wafer fabrication facilities to the front end of business and uh, uh, design implementation. And at Qualcomm, similarly, I have held multiple different positions. Uh, I was in the technology side where uh, I was overseeing the multimedia technology aspect of things, the GPU, DSP, and the compute, the AP processor, program management, and then also uh, operations and a few others. So had a very good, interesting view of things uh, across the board. So I've been blessed in that way. Four years ago, I did this business case of robotics when Qualcomm was looking at uh, adjacent businesses beyond mobile, and we formed this IoT business unit. Mm-hmm. And within that, I did the business case for robotics and started this product line, which has been uh, doing really well and uh, taking off. Yeah, very exciting uh, times, I would say. So you had this great product announcement, uh, I think, last week or a couple of weeks ago, which got a lot of attention and a lot of press about it. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Let me start up uh, with uh, the industry status as such. And as we all know, uh, robotics, drones and others have gone through hype cycles. Uh, From your perspective and Qualcomm's perspective, where do you think industry stands right now? I mean, it, it's the hype cycle over now where rubber meets the road. You're trying to get out, get products out and such. And how do you foresee this moving forward? Great question as well. Um, yes, you're right. I mean, uh, I mean, robotics is not a new field. We've been hearing about robotics for quite some time. Even the new things like AI, when you talk about AI today is, okay, AI is applicable to everything today. But when you look at AI, 10 years ago, if somebody said AI, artificial intelligence, first thing that would come to mind would be a robot. That was the perception. The Rosie of the Jetsons is the poster child for uh, robotics and AI. And today, we are seeing all of that happen. So it's been an interesting area for a lot of time, uh, especially around creating uh, autonomous systems around people's lives and industries to enhance their lives and uh, efficiencies. So that has been viewed very well. I mean, that's how it has been viewed. But through the time, it had remained in mostly a hobby market kind of uh, approach because people wanted to build this cool robots, but at the same time, the cost and the integration and how things were available uh, to the robotics industry were were different. Now, I think 
the robotics industry has gone through a lot of things. The technology has exponentially increased. Robotics is a very uh, complex thing. There's a lot of things involved. There is compute. There is uh, the technology aspect of things. But at the same time, there is mechatronics. There is uh, mechanics of the robots. There is motor control. All It's a system level problem. And to solve a system level problem, uh, in past, people have done this using general purpose compute elements, general purpose things off the shelf, trying to do a Frankenstein thing of putting things together to make it happen. And that's the challenge for robotics. I mean, if somebody has to make a robot and create a use case for the robot, now they have to worry about cobbling up everything together, including the compute, the mechanicals, the sensors, and all of that. So that has been the challenge. And today, the exponential increase in technology, the cost of the compute being available in the form factors that, that make sense to make safer products, safer drones, safer robots is here. So it has come to a point where there's an inflection point where we are seeing a lot more things can happen with the technology available today. So that's where we are. Perfect. So uh, may you preempted a little bit of my next question, which is what are the major challenges the robotics industry has today? I think you explained uh, it very well. Um, now my question is, how are you guys at Qualcomm are preparing uh, yourself to address it and solve it? Great question. Like we talked about those challenges, those challenges uh, are, are critical to be solved. Those challenges are things that are on people's mind. At Qualcomm, what we have is a portfolio of technology and a breadth of technology. And what we are doing also is we are serious about robotics. We have doubled down on robotics. We have already powered millions of robots out there. We have robots in the cleaning robot segments. We have robots in the industrial segment. We have robots in the enterprise segment. We are understanding the pain points across all these products or variety of robots. And at the end of the day, if you look at the DNA of any of these robots that I talked about, it's sensing, thinking, acting, and communicating is what a robot does, be it a $200 toy robot or a $2 million factory robot. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. And at Qualcomm, we are putting solutions together that give the right building block and bring in the integration to address all these key uh, building blocks for a robot so people don't have to worry about cobbling things together. And we give them a platform solution that can be a right building block and a good starting point where they can start developing their functions on top of it. That's how we are uh, understanding the market requirements, understanding the pain points, and addressing it by putting development platform like the RB5 platform in their hands to be able to uh, take their headaches away. Yeah, excellent. So yeah, you mentioned uh, RB5. There's been a lot of press around it. I have a challenging question for you then. The tagline of RB5 is uh, it's 5G and AI, the two most used buzzwords in the industry now. Can you give me three features of your RB5 platform without using 5G and AI. Great, I mean, of course, there's many things that I can talk about, but you asked for key, yeah. three features. Okay, let me boil them into three top features. 
like I mentioned, the challenges of robots, right? So mm-hmm. heterogeneous compute performance at ultra low power consumption is one of the key feature, which mm-hmm. brings in all the compute you need, but at the ultra low power consumption, mm-hmm. which is very important for battery operated robots and drones. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, mm-hmm. computer vision and camera capabilities. So this platform has a dedicated computer vision engine, which is a hardware accelerator that provides real-time analytic data for imaging applications, computer vision applications like visual inertial odometry or depth from stereo, which is very important for making an autonomous robot. That's number two. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. of course, in part of that is also the camera because this has a great gigapixel camera ISP, which can do say 8K video, to seven camera concurrency, again, important for robotics applications. So that computer vision and camera capabilities is number two. Mm-hmm. And number mm-hmm. three, uh, if I have to underscore all of this, is uh, vault-like security. From crypto to DRM, the secure processing unit that is on this platform helps secure robots at all level, be it secure manufacturing, over-the-air update. Security is very, very important for robotics, and this one has it. So there you go. You have your top three. All right. Pretty good. Yeah. So, so you, you mentioned about heterogeneous compute, right? So, I mean, you know, uh, there are companies who rely only on GPU. There are some companies who only rely on uh, CPU and some only on DSP and such. From your point of view, how is this heterogeneous compute important? enough for robotics why can't i just take you know one kind of compute and you you know make use of that to do multiple things rather than going to these different uh, blocks thank you for asking that question um, i mean I, I i try to answer that to my friends as well I've, i mean i try to simplify it saying okay if i give you a knife and i tell you to open a bottle would you be able to do that uh, so that's kind of the thing for robotics where you have multiple challenges in robotics. We talked about uh, multiple kind of robots. There's a drone, there is a, a, a robot that needs to do vision application, that needs to do AI, that needs to do real-time uh, voice activation kind of application, that needs to do image correction for Im- uh, inspection and a few other things. You truly need a Swiss knife kind of analogy, if you will, for mm-hmm. robotics application. And that a heterogeneous compute architecture is where you can use CPU for things that you need CPU for, which is real time and you need a tremendous horsepower at the given instant of time. But then you need sustained performance at a, a, at a very good power efficient level where you have always on kind of features that you can implement on DSP. And then you have image applications or de-warping and few other things that you can implement on GPU. So you actually need this kind of a flexible platform that can help you put your applications where it is suited best to be on. Yeah, perfect. And also, I mean, when you're creating something, a platform like this, you know, you don't know what all other applications out there that people might use this for, right? So having that flexibility, I think really helps out in making sure you make best out of what you got for the specific application that you might be designing the robot, uh, your a robot for right totally totally yeah so now coming to this uh the two main pieces that you mentioned about 5g and ai i'll focus more on 5g a little bit 
you know uh, there is lot of uh, hyperbole i would uh, if i can say that on this industry 4.0 5g enabling and such which i think a lot of it makes sense but is a uh, long term a little bit right right now i mean uh, 5g is primarily focused on providing and enough capacity uh, coverage and everything for smartphones and such so what is the the actual uh, role that you see for 5g in um, robotics say in next 2 to 3 years and then well, how would that change 3 years and beyond uh, beyond that the a clue on how to start is can you explain how 4g is used right now in robotics and how that might change with 5g and such so you know overall specifically how 5g will change robotics and what is the feel from the from the field what are the things that you are actually working on where 5g would be useful this is a good one as well yes so uh, as i mentioned earlier building block for any robot is communication mm-hmm. sensing things acting and communication so communication is a key building block for a robot robot needs to interact be able to communicate back on the data it's uh, getting and few other things so now you you if you have a robot at home of course you don't need maybe cellular connectivity maybe overkill because you have wifi and others mm-hmm. but now uh, the segments when robotics is going to be consumer enterprise and industrial mm-hmm. now when you talk about enterprise and industrial especially in the enterprise you may have heard this term as robot as a service mm-hmm. where people are providing robots as a service be it to big clients like walmart where brain corp is providing floor cleaning robot there or uh, construction sites where people are providing robots as a service for accomplishing certain projects so it's a robot as a service is is the thing mm-hmm. and in those kind of application there is what is the connectivity there when you need connectivity it is mostly going to be things like cellular connectivity because you don't want to depend on the end client's wifi you don't know how good that is you have things around places there's no wifi or no connectivity where you can put private network so today we are seeing that cellular is used basically one of the key means for communication in these kind of settings where you you want connectivity and you don't have connectivity and also it's in the enterprise use case where it's more around uh, remote applications kind of stuff so that is where mm-hmm. we are seeing it being used today for sure okay and how 5g is going to be different yeah so 4g is uh, again 4g or lte or cbrs private networks is part of the connect- connectivity portion of things but when you talk about the future of lights out warehouses when you mm-hmm. talk about the future of of industry 4.0 which is a totally reconfigurable factory or uh, mission critical stuff latency reliability throughput becomes absolutely necessary and these are mission critical things that quality of service is imperative that is where 5g is the differentiator when 4g is still a communication means but then the reliability the latency aspect of things will be solved by 5g and that's where the use cases will also evolve and you see more and more robots becoming more efficient more prominent in those kind of use cases cool yeah agreed so are you guys working on any specific uh, applications either on a trial basis or actual commercial application where 5g would be used 
Absolutely. Yes, we are. I mean, there's some we cannot share publicly, some we can share publicly, but yes, we have uh, announced a lot of uh, collaboration. I mean, uh, if you heard of the show called Hanover Massive in yeah. 2018, 2019, we, we did a lot of proof points or demos with our partners as well. So we did have a 5G arena and a 5G pavilion mm-hmm. where we had partners like Barnes and others show their factory of the future use cases where we are working with them on proof of concept around AGVs in the factory, around multiple robot arms being able to use this kind of ultra-reliable low-latency application. So yes, we are working on a lot of these things. We are part of something, what we call it as a 5G ACIA, which is Alliance for Connected Industries and Automation. We are part of that alliance. We are having strong industry collaboration. We announced a research collaboration with Bosch in February 2019 as well. Yeah, we are doing a lot of stuff in terms of proof of concept, in front of pilots with, with, with key players and key partners. It's early, early times for 5G and IoT. I understand that. But what is the time horizon you're looking at? I think things have started. I think even in 5G, one thing is critical to understand is... Uh, 5G, uh, the 3GPP body, which works on the 5G standards, release 15 is one which is now rolled out and release 16 is being uh, implemented. So release 16 and release 17 are these ones that are coming in next few years would have most of the features that are needed for uh, industry 4.0 kind of applications like ultra-reliable low latency, the time-sensitive network, and all of these are part of the release 16 and the release 17 will have even more use cases around unmanned aerial vehicles where you can have remote IDs and uh, things around UTM, that is uh, the air traffic management kind of application. So you will see, I mean, things like I mentioned earlier, we are working with partners who are you doing proof of concepts in their factories. Of course, they're not converting the entire factory to a 5G floor, but what they are doing is a section of it where they're, converted to a 5G proof of concept prototyping and pilot projects. They're trying to make sure the use cases are well understood and they can think through the applications. So that part has started. So it will be a matter of time when uh, the digital twin and 5G adoption and the private network will start happening in the factories and the robots also will go along with that. But I think next two, three years, you'll start seeing more and more adoption. Yeah, I am a 3GPP member, so I attend all their meetings and such. So the release 16 uh, finalization meeting is happening this week as we speak. So probably the 16 final spec will be out this Thursday when the meeting ends. And and to your point, in 4G days, the standards were developed and then they would come to telecom networks and then industry would look at how can they use it and such. Instead of that, in 5G, actually... A lot of industrial folks, uh, some of the names that you named, Bosch and others, they're actually actively involved in 3GPP itself in terms of giving their input. A lot of times even debating across the aisle with the vendors and such on what they need, what is most important for them. A lot of times earlier, the telecom industry would assume what is important for industrial IoT related applications. But now, you know, these are actually people giving live inputs on what they really need rather than people assuming what they need, right? So that's uh, 
it's a very that's a very welcome change and also gives me lot of hope that time between standardization and actual commercial application of these things uh, to the industry is much shorter than how it took for 4G for example absolutely you 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 nailed it yes totally and just to add to that the 3GPP in standard body but even when we were in qualcom 5 mm-hmm. years ago when 5G research started at that time building blocks of 5G was okay we knew that the fifth generation for mobile technology but when the research foundation was being laid it was being laid on not only on enhanced mobile broadband but this mission critical services like cellular vehicles uh, cv2x kind of thing drone application and drone complications were thought about it massive internet of things were also thought about in terms of uh, enhanced power saving modes deeper coverage narrow bandwidth efficient signaling and all of that were part of this research stuff that was done 5 years ago and that's how it's being built so it is like you said it's a welcome change across the board it's just not a mobile technology it is a technology that's broadly applicable and will be broadly changing impacting a lot of areas yeah, cool so specifically on rb5 it is with 5g but can it work with 4g network right now and can be upgraded to 5g when there are networks around or how does that work well, that's a good clarifying question and like i mentioned earlier right not every robot needs cellular to begin with and leave alone 5g right uh, not every robot needs cellular so rb5 platform is true flexible platform like our heterogeneous compute platform even the rb5 platform is truly flexible what i mean by that is you want just wifi and you don't need cellular you can have that by itself you need 4g yes we have modem that's plugged and played and we have the modem modules and few others which are already certified across multiple carriers and others which is 4g lte cbrs is also supported mm-hmm. and then we have 5g both the millimeter wave and sub 6 capable modem x55 so these options are choosable basically you can pick what you want yeah specifically you know these robots have very long life unlike our smartphones so you should be able to upgrade only part of it when needed rather than just changing the whole robot itself right when newer technologies come and such like going from 4g to 5g for example especially with 5g Absolutely. yeah mission critical services which are not supported on the network right now and when they come in you should be able to upgrade your robot to that rather than just you know throwing it away like what we do with smartphones nowadays absolutely and we are serious about that kind of market which is uh, enterprise and industrial where you need more extended life on the product as well so this rb5 platform which has at its heart the qrb5165 processor that we have already extended the life of that processor for 10 years which is mostly for the industrial in, uh, cases where you need that more than that we've also put the uh, uh, temperature rating on the silicon we qualify this for industrial application we have minus 30c to 105c junction which is the industrial grade temperature that's also supported on this so we have made sure that it's future proofed very well not only the supply but also the technology add ons like if you want release 17 release 18 we could add on a modem later on to this platform that would be compatible with the forward compatible backward compatible kind of things that future proofs yourself interesting so now looking at the ai part of it uh, 
I know with a lot of edge uh, intelligence and edge AI happening, how is this product able to do with the you know change in trends in terms of how much yeah you do on the device on the edge itself versus the cloud and such how are you guys addressing or approaching this this challenge of changing uh, topology and such when it comes to ai yeah so ai is uh, really interesting of course there is um, in terms of uh, applications there are real time applications i would say there's a time for edge and there's a time for cloud uh-huh. and if you have to choose that if this is drone and you need real time ai to be able to understand your obstacle navigate around it there's no time for you to go to cloud and come back right yeah, or yeah. of course latency you could potentially do that but the round trip going to cloud coming back has additional costs to it so you would want to do as much as possible efficiently on the edge and when it's not efficient enough and you want further data aggregation of course this cloud we think edge ai is very 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 important and in this platform i call it a beast uh, the qrb5165 it has 15 tops of compute capability for ai which is unprecedented in this segment i mean we have competition part where it all ends at three tops now we are talking about 15 tops five times more performance more than anything of course we are giving this lot of performance we have a dedicated hardware called hta which has by itself eight tops then on top of that you have cpu gpu as well so 15 tops on the system is unprecedented ai you can get but the kicker is we have the best in class inferences per watt of course inferences per second you can you can get uh, by putting a blob big blob of uh, compute uh, even at in server for example but on the edge you need that kind of high inferences but you need it at very very uh, efficient thermal envelopes and power envelopes right so yeah. ours is best in class inferences per second but at the same time best in class inference per watt really nice exciting so uh, now um, iot is the ecosystem of partners developers and the guys who do it unlike smartphone where you have few guys in you know get the stuff from you guys and do it iot is you know vastly different and diverse uh, the key to success there is very strong developer ecosystem and tools and the uh, and whole infrastructure to support them efficiently and effectively for them to make their applications work in the real world so qualcomm is famous for its uh, smartphone ecosystem but not many people know about its iot ecosystem and the developer support and such give us a quick high level overview on how the whole de- developer ecosystem support works for qualcomm i'm glad you brought this up and i missed this in, when we were talking about the challenges facing the robotics market in addition to needing uh, integrated processors which are power efficient which all of this that is great i mean which is uh, which solves a lot of problem but at the same time you talked about developer ecosystem and all of that but more than that i think we have this four pillared strategy for ecosystem we have scaling partners which are manufacturing ecosystem like odm oem so Uh-huh. if you want to make a robot and you don't know how to deal with qualcomm chipset and qualcomm boards and few other thing we have odm and oem partners they are part of our ecosystem that can help you with that then 
Second thing is, okay, if you don't know camera technology and you don't know how to tune your camera, and we have technology partners that, that can help you with things around camera applications or camera tuning and few other things. So, uh, and then AI part also, if, if you want XYZ algorithm for machine learning model, we have partners in our ecosystem that have data to be able to meet the KPIs you need for face detection or any kind of AI algorithm for, for that part of it. And then of course we have the ecosystem around the robotics application. So we support things like ROS, AWS Rainbowmaker, and on the OS side, we support Ubuntu and Debian and the Linux software part of thing, which community and the ecosystem partners and the developer community is taking this and creating applications on it. So we have a very rich ecosystem that's around RB5. Already, I don't know if you saw the press release, but part of the follow-on we'll be announcing, we have 30 plus ecosystem partners are developing their applications on RB5 today. Okay, very well. Yeah, I saw that. And then I think you mentioned a lot more are lined up uh, that you are not ready to announce them yet, which I think is exciting. So one question that often comes when people come to Qualcomm and try to buy uh, chips and such is about licensing. So how does licensing work for IoT vendors who want to buy the RB5, either from you directly or from a ODM that you mentioned and want to make a robot out of it? So I think our business model, uh, of course, is a little different for IoT. I mean, we have a great IP licensing business. We always uh, make sure that that part of the, the business is not affected by what we do. In this case, of course, when there is uh, not no modem involved, we have click-through licensing models as well. Mm-hmm. But again, um, there's multiple choices. For example, if you don't want to... Uh, deal with Qualcomm directly. We have partners who are our licensees and you can get the hardware and software from them without uh, even getting a license from Qualcomm and you can develop uh, on top of it because we we have partners who can redistribute and uh, serve you in terms of services business if you need software support and all of that. So there is flexible model. I mean, it's not traditional licensing model like our mobile phone. Okay, very well. Another thing that I was wondering was in terms of, I mean, you mentioned your tons of uh, developers and partners are working on your uh, IoT platforms. Typically, how is your robotics business uh, distributed geo-wise and segments and industries-wise? I think I mean, on a high level, if I have to take that question, I think we are geo-wise equally distributed across the world. Uh, of course, like you mentioned, uh, the nuances come in place where uh, uh, the segments, okay, consumer robot segments is a little bit higher in North America and China, cleaning robots, etc. But if you talk about factory and industrial robots, Europe and others have a little bit more, like Germany and others have a little bit more focus. But in general, if on a high level, uh, we are playing across these segments, across the world, we have partners and customers and in terms of segments like why i mentioned consumer enterprise and industrial these are the segments that we address which is applicable across the world okay perfect so now uh, mandatory question that i'm sure you are asked everywhere is covid how is covid uh, affecting your business right now and in overall i'd be more interested in 
long term uh, impacts of it you know mostly uh, talking to many people and i've seen as well uh, there is lot of uh, automation happening uh, because i mean people can't get to work uh, can't get to their factories can't get to their offices and such so what is your view on the effect of covid uh, in a short term and in long term on your business and uh, on your robotics business as well as robotics as an industry overall in the short and the long term yes i think um, unfortunate situation very challenging situation of course the covid across the world across uh, demographies the covid has affected different businesses differently in terms of robotics there is a significant push for automation like you mentioned already and there is uh, things like contactless delivery making sure uh, warehouse fulfillment centers and making sure you have a uh, quick deliveries and few other things so we are seeing that the robotic segments that were just uh, flat are going exponentially higher especially around delivery example would be in bay area there are a lot of OEMs who are doing delivery robots and they have gotten accelerated approvals to start doing grocery deliveries autonomously uh, that's happening and that's accelerated in in florida we there was uh, i don't know if you saw that news article where cbs had started doing drone deliveries of prescription medicine to old age homes to avoid any kind of contact so that is happening as well uh-huh. and then uh, in warehouses you have workers turn around where you want to maintain distance between on an assembly line there is an adoption of cobots that that is also happening so i think there is a lot of positive impact and i think as we come out of covid also i would i would see this becoming mainstream because it was going to be that way but covid has accelerated some of this i see you mentioned a cobot is it what a companion robot or yes cobot stands for collaborative robots okay perfect so i think uh, that's all the questions i had uh, did i miss anything covering the robots at a high level any closing comments you might have i think we covered it all i think uh, uh, the future is tremendous with the unisense of ai 5g and things that are going to happen for robotics and for this stuff like drone deliveries unmanned aerial vehicles and all i think we are all excited i mean phenomenal time we live in course and the technology is is enabling all of that so so i think we covered a lot of stuff of course we can go into details of 5g and few other things at later point but uh, yeah this was great chatting with you excellent same here uh, it was very nice thank you very much for coming on to tantra's mantra and you know we learned a lot of things really exciting times ahead for robotics it seems like and uh, all the best for your uh, rb5 platform uh, i think yeah, i mean i looked at some of this back it indeed looks like a beast and i'm sure you're working with a lot of partners and such to really bring it to life uh, in many applications and services and such oh, thank you thank you for having me sure all right folks that's the end of the podcast for today hope it was informative and uh, useful and you know if you think it was useful and uh, informative please do subscribe to our podcast if you have not already done so i'll be back soon with another episode putting light on another interesting tech subject bye bye for now